this time. All the way. Welcome to the revival of Think Tank, an Adventure Geeks podcast spinoff show where we analyze the characters' plots and settings of our favorite TV shows, movies, and books. I am your psychoanalyst host, Eric, and today we are covering one of my favorite new franchises that have come out within the last five years, and that is A Quiet Place. We will be discussing part one and part two while I have it fresh on the mind after just watching both of them today. So this is your one and only chance of getting warned for spoilers. Um, if you guys want to leave and come back, I highly recommend watching these two movies before coming in and getting it spoiled for you. So here's your last chance for spoilers. So A Quiet Place is basically about a family caught in an alien invasion scenario where these aliens that we can assume come from outer space um, drop in and basically decimate a lot of the human race. One of the interesting things about these aliens is that they are completely blind and the way they hunt you is by detecting sound. So there's a lot of things going on with sound in these two movies. It really is an atmospheric experience. Um, The best way and the only way I suggest you guys watch this is with the lights off on a big screen. And every single person that you watch this movie with remains silent for the entire movie. Um, This is a movie, and even the second one to a degree, where there is probably three minutes of dialogue in the entire movie, which is brilliant. Um, and adds an added tone to the movie. And there is subtitles because all of the actors in the movie sign to each other. Um, So let me get started with who our our family is. So it follows the Abbott family, led by John Krasinski, who is Lee Abbott, the father. His real-life wife, Emily Blunt, plays the mother, Evelyn Abbott. And then the oldest daughter... Regan Abbott is played by the brilliant Millicent Simmons, who, by the way, is actually deaf in real life. So all of the sign language that you see in this movie, she basically helped teach the other cast members. Um, The second oldest son is played by Marcus Abbott. Well, is Marcus Abbott, and the actor is Noah Jupe. I've never seen him in much of anything before, relatively new to acting. And then the youngest son, who I will get to in a moment, is Bo Abbott, and he is played by Cade Woodward. So one of the things that kind of hits home with me for this movie is it really focuses on the, the family dynamic, what the role of each member of this family is, and where they go from here. So one of one of the greatest things that um, puts a, an added psychological horror to this is imagine trying to grow up as a, as a young kid, maybe four or five years old, 
in not being able to make a sound because something will hunt and kill you. And that's what brings me up to little Bo Abbott, who in the opening of the movie, he's wandering around this empty convenience store because we open up day, I believe, 43. So most of the aliens have kind of taken over by now. So we find the Abbott family in this abandoned convenience store where the youngest son, Bo, is is looking at this rocket ship toy and is, is basically talking with the sister, Regan, about how a spaceship would help solve all their problems and and they would be all safe. Um, the interesting thing about this, and we'll get to it in a second, is that he, there's a psychological-ish, like a psychological thing that um, I was thinking of while watching this movie, um, in the view of this kid. He had, it seemed from his body language, from his actions in the first five to 10 minutes of the movie, it almost seems like he's done trying to live in silence. It's not fun being a kid in here. And the analogy with the spaceship almost might coincide with a little bit of heaven there. So fast forward a couple minutes, they're exiting the... Or they're about to exit the convenience store. Fa uh, Father Lee Abbott catches him with the little spaceship toy that can make sounds and, and lights if the batteries um, were in it. Um, he separates the batteries from the spaceship and puts it on the counter. The interesting thing about this scene, though, is as soon as the uh, Lee and Evelyn Abbott leave the convenience store, Regan gives the spaceship to her little brother, and once she leaves, he takes the batteries back in. Now, some can say maybe he's just a kid. He doesn't really know what he's doing. But part of me thinks that maybe he didn't want to live anymore in such a bleak environment where he can't really play or anything. So fast forward about a minute, and he's playing with the toy. The creature comes out of nowhere and just takes him out. And that's the opening scene of the movie. Um, this movie caught me by surprise. Um <laughs> with the alien going after a kid. It's not every day where you watch a movie and the kid's getting taken out. Um, but we'll get into the alien and creatures later. It's it's a very interesting design that, um, coincidentally, John Krasinski helped come up with because he is also the director and the writer of the movie. It's um, He's got a hand in just about every aspect of this movie and the sequel. So, the the different roles for these characters. So we ha we have the the kid, um, Bo, who who dies within the five first five minutes, and that's that's almost a symbol of the death of innocence. Um, because in this world, there really you really have to be on your toes. Um, so much dark shit happens. There's there's not really a whole lot of innocence left in the world, other than the nature around. Um, the characters, which the way they build sound in this movie is really impressive. Um, and what they do with the lack of sound in this movie, um, you almost get an experience when you 
are leaving the theater or leaving the room that you're watching this movie in, um, you get this, this feeling that you're hearing things that you don't normally hear. Like it makes you really pay attention to the sounds that are surrounding you. Um, which it's, it's just so brilliantly done. And, um, to go along with that, there are scenes in the movie where you follow the, the, the deaf character, uh, Regan, who obviously the actress, um, Millicent is also deaf, but you get her perspective and sound shifts, um, to her, to her perspective as well. So you as the viewer are almost deaf in that, that moment and are almost put in her shoes where she's, she's terrified. She can't hear anything. She doesn't know just how much noise she's making. Cause obviously she can't hear. So she doesn't know if she's louder or, or quiet or what have you. Um, it's, it's, it's wonderfully done. And it even brings, um, it carries over into her leadership role in the second movie. Um, and just to kind of broaden the setting a little bit here, um, it, this does take place in upstate New York, which is a very interesting, um, setting for this kind of movie. It's, it's definitely not a typical alien invasion movie where it's in the city or, or in a rural, rural area. Um, it's literally in the mountains on a farm, um, just over the Appalachian range, I believe is what they said. Um, but it takes place in Akron and, um, in the second one, some places in, um, oh God, what was it? What was the other one? Akron and Buffalo. That was the other one for the second one. But most of the first movie takes place on the, the Abbott farm where, um, we fast forward to, I believe day 473 into the, this, this alien situation, which, um, brings me to another point. This, you know, almost nothing with the, with the aliens up to this point. Um, you know, just as much as the Abbott family does, they're thrown into this situation. Don't know anything about these creatures. Um, the only thing that you know is that you can't make a sound or else they will hunt and kill you very swiftly. Um, one of the brilliant things that John Krasinski does is hide the, the creature for most of the movie. It's almost like a Jaws approach where you get glimpses of, glimpses of it and then you don't see the full thing until almost the end of the movie. Um, so it's kind of left up to your own imagination of when it's going to pop up, um, where it's going to be, what's going to happen. And they kind of give you sound cues that made, make you lead into thinking that it's around when maybe it might not be. Um, you can definitely tell with the creature that it, it borrows from. The best way to describe it is it's a mix of the clickers from last of us. If you guys have all played that game, another brilliant apocalyptic game. Um, it's a mix of the clickers. And then I would say the aliens, the xenomorphs from alien, the alien franchise, um, mix of those two. They have kind of folds on their face that interact with the sound and frequencies in the environment. So it kind of 
is like um, scales that kind of peel off and and listen around, and that's how they kind of see. And depending on the frequency, um, the intensity of the movement of those scales on their head, it alters. It's it's interesting the way the animators did it. But anywho, um, going back to our family here. Um, so after the loss of their kid, um, it, I don't. And the time frame is a little bit wonky. With you know. Did they want to have another kid before or after this this son dies? But um, we we fast forward, and Emily Blunt's character Evelyn is pregnant, and there's this pending doom kind of feeling that you know there's no way you can be quiet if if you're pregnant because once you're you're giving birth, there's no way you can keep quiet. So they're you, you see that they come to the farm and a lot of it is, you know, padded up, muffled, almost soundproof. But obviously you can't m mute all sound because it's just impossible. Um, the wonky thing that they kind of don't really um, define in these two movies is um, just what sounds the creatures kind of respond to because there's there's like some parts where um noises are kind of made or voices are they they talk a little bit but some voices don't trigger the the creatures to come but then they they knock over like a lamp or something and it and it comes and hunts them down um and then obviously um they walk on sand and everything which is muffled but it's not a hundred percent quiet either so it they, they kind of play around with it a little bit um but that's just kind of minute details i would i would say for that i don't think it really ruins the whole experience for the movie but um abbott family kind of like a doomsday prepper scenario um lee the father is kind of in this state where he's you know trying to protect his family he's got a duty to protect his his children um especially with the loss of the youngest one five to ten minutes in all of them kind of feel guilt um with with the loss but the the character that kind of gets guilted the most by it is um regan abbott because she feels awful that you know, she allowed Bo to have the spaceship, and that's what ended up getting him killed. Um, part of me still thinks that maybe he just didn't want to live in a world where he couldn't play, but that's a whole different dark theory um, that me and a couple others do have. Um, but Regan takes it to heart, especially since it, she thinks that her father, Lee, is very mad at her and blames her for his loss um even though he really doesn't but she takes it to heart and and is trying to grasp with the concept of you know dad doesn't like me it's all my fault um almost a survivor's guilt kind of thing to where you know it should have been me not him and then we have marcus abbott who 
he's kind of the scared character who's still coming to grips with the whole situation. Um, he doesn't want to go out with dad when they're going fishing. He doesn't want to basically leave the barn. He wants to stay with mom and, and learn his education and eventually take care of the baby when it's born. So he's kind of the character that is trying to come to, to a head with the whole situation going on. Um, and then Evelyn, the mother is, is basically trying to come, come to conclusion that eventually she's going to have to have this kid and, um, all the noise that it's going to cause and how she's going to bring a kid into a world where everything is, everything around her could, um, could hunt her if she makes a noise. So, and as most of you guys know, babies are not the quietest things in the world. <laughs> so it, it, it comes down to all of these different things. Um, there's a lot of moments of intimacy in this, in this movie between, you know, family getting along and, and growing together and getting stronger. Uh, one of the things that, that spoke to me is definitely Lee's relationship with Regan throughout the movie. Um, she seems to think that he's very mad at him, but behind the scenes, he's trying to fix her hearing aids so that she can finally hear so that she can actually get out and move about and be able to know how much noise she's actually making. But she seems to think that, you know, he's trying to keep her inside and, and doesn't want her to leave at all because she's just going to cause trouble and she's a liability at that point. Um, and she finds out at the end that that's not the case and that he was really trying every effort to make sure that she could hear again. And then there's, there's moments between uh, Lee and Evelyn where they're coming to, to the realization of the lost son. And they have a wonderful scene where um, they, they're dancing and, and she's playing um, music on her earphone and she shares it with him. And they have finally like some sort of communication with each other and in, in a world where they have to be quiet and everything. Um, another beautiful thing, and especially the first one, was the body language. A lot of the body language in this movie was spot on. They were the actors and actresses involved did a very good job um, just showing their emotions through their body language. And a lot of the time, you didn't even need the subtitles to know what's going on. So that it was it was very well done. The first one. Um, Second one, too, but we'll get into that. Just not as much as the first one, I think. Um, one of the key thing, one of the interesting things, too, is there's only actually one other character in the movie um, that they meet. And that is, and he's not even given a name. He's he's known as the man in the woods. And he's um, played by Leon Russom. And he basically has one scene where Lee and... Marcus go are in the woods coming back from finding fish and he this this strange man in the in the middle of the woods notices that his his house was broken into his wife's dead so he has no reason to live anymore so he starts yelling and screaming 
and the creature comes and ends him. Um, and that's basically to show like with the loss of innocence and, you know, some, some people can't bear the thought of losing a loved one and the only loved one that they have in, in such a world that is so divided. Um, last thing I want to bring up before we get into the second movie, um, is the atmosphere around even visually. Um, there are some scenes where either the kids or Lee is at the top of their corn silo and they light a fire and you can see, um, other farmers having fires along, along the, the mountain top, um, beautiful, um, beautiful atmospheric um, filmmaking uh, and it kind of makes you question what the other people behind those fires are going through and and what they are like and that's kind of one of the thoughts that really um, John Krasinski brings into the second film but makes you kind of question the first one um, for kind of like one of the uh, reasons for a second movie um because otherwise it, the way this movie ended is is very good as a standalone movie um but ultimately the family figures out um what these creatures weaknesses which is coincidentally sound um certain frequencies will will have their head kind of freak out and leave it exposed to the flesh underneath and all it takes after that is a bullet to the head or, or as we find out in the second one, uh, a pole to the head. Um, but the creatures in general are bulletproof. Um, you can see in snippets, um, especially in the opening scenes, when you go to the basement of the house and with all the news articles and the, the billboards and the little background notes that, Lee makes is that the creatures are basically indestructible on the outside uh, and the military basically failed. Um, a couple of little things that you can notice too in the beginning is the creatures come in packs of three. So they're pack hunters. Um, you can see that one of the first places hit is Shanghai. Um, and then that... Obviously, you have to be quiet, silent, um, and he has some sketches for, like, soundproofing the house, and and then, obviously, there's a little section where he's working on hearing aids for his daughter, Regan. So, um, that's basically the first movie. It ends with them finally figuring out the, the weakness of the creature, which actually they don't end up naming, which... Um, is a little bit strange, but kind of makes it more so of a story of a f the family rather than the creature that is surrounding them. So um, they end it with Regan taking her ear hearing aids and amplifying it with a microphone. Um, and it shows how sensitive it is to sound. And that's when they figure out how to kill it. Um, it's interesting that the one thing that the creature uses to kind of maneuver is also its weakness so i found that aspect of it really fascinating um but stay tuned we are going to continue with the second one after this brief 
break. And we're back. And before we get into part two, I did want to briefly mention um, just how good Krasins John Krasinski did in the in this film, especially um, towards the end of the movie with Lee sacrificing himself to save his kids. Um, that that yell always gets me every time. Um, it uh, uh, such a raw passionate yell um full of love to make sure his kids get away and 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 go back to safety which is also kind of the the handoff note too to to a degree and more so in the second one but a handoff for his kids to start taking charge and 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 having that um rite of passage to adulthood and and starting to figure out things on their own without guidance. Um, even though the mom's around, um, she does take kind of a, a back seat role for the most part in the second movie. Um, but um, I think that was really meant for, for the handoff of, to the kids. So we get into the second one right after um, the first one ends up um, after... Emily Blunt's character, Evelyn, um, finishes off the, the creatures that come after them in the basement of the house. Um, so now that they're, the, the baby's been born, the father, Lee, is unfortunately dead, um, and their home is, is caught on fire, so they can't stay there anymore. So all of that safety is now gone, so they have to figure out another place to go. But before we get into that, the the movie does start off um, on day one of the invasion, if that's what we want to call it. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think invasion would be good. Um, it it shoots you in the middle of this of this mountain town is what I like to call it. Um, there, um, Lee's son marcus is at a baseball game he's sitting there with regan um as marcus goes up to bat we also get to meet um the new character of the the franchise emmett who is played by the brilliant killian murphy and he is the father of one of the other kids on the team watching the game um marcus goes up to bat he there's a ball of fire in the sky the whole game stops and then we're plunged into this alien invasion um so this is where we kind of can assume that these these creatures came from outer space um we don't have any further information than that but um uh, hopefully you know in part three we find out some more but um we fast forward through the original day one of of this invasion and and most of it takes place in in this this town in one glorious like action piece there's not a whole lot of scene cutting it's basically emily's character evelyn and marcus in a in a car chase through through the town where aliens are starting to pop up everywhere um, there's a brilliant sequence where she is head on with a bus and has to go backwards and the, the creature is crawling out of the front of the bus as it's coming at them. And then um, the other sequence is Lee and Regan crawling through um, a bar 
or a cafe, one of the two, with other people trying to hide from these creatures, and then you kind of get a gist of of when the creature attacks, when a phone goes off, little things like that set it off, and, and it comes after. It makes you wonder how much some of the noises that we make really do um, amplify in, in a quiet situation. So um, the whole opening sequence is of basically the, the creatures just wreaking havoc on the town. It's It shows you just how brutal they can be when they're not sneaking around and trying to hunt their prey. And then we kind of come back to our current time where the first movie leaves off. And they end up the... Sorry, let me backtrack. Uh, <laughs> Regan and Evelyn, as well as Marcus, are taking the baby to another fire that they saw, which coincidentally ends up being... Emmett's Emmett's little camp that's actually in an old steel mill um which they shot at I believe it was Buffalo New York an old steel mill and their entrance is not very welcoming um they make a lot of noise they set off trap Marcus's foot gets caught in a bear trap but then Emmett's kind of overlooking with, with his rifle, and you can see that the, through the scope that the creature is coming to get them. And then he notices that Regan takes out a guitar amp, uses the hearing aid as a weapon, and almost instantly becomes intrigued with how they've suddenly, this, this group of three people, two, three out of the four of them, young are able to kill this this creature and he had never seen a creature get killed before so that just goes to show you just how few of those creatures were actually killed and how little we know in in the human race knows in in this franchise just how we um weak we really are so he takes them in in a rush to bring them into his steel mill where they they go into this um cement basement where there's a furnace and um he basically explains that unless the creature's right above you they can't hear you so we get a a little more in depth of killian murphy's character emmett um doesn't trust people. He lost his wife and kid. Um, one of the red flags that I saw, though, um, if you notice, there's a bunch of drawings of kids around, so we don't know um, if there were more people with him at one point or if he's suspiciously taking out people. We don't really know, unfortunately. Um, he goes on to explain that, you know, one of the scary things other than creatures are the humans out there and how they're surviving now and how you can't really trust them at this point. So he's very reluctant to take the family in, um, saying that they need to leave within a day. And then we catch up to Regan's character 
who is basically trying to be the leader of the family now and taking her father's role um, with since Evelyn is taking care of the baby and now we have a hurt Marcus. So Marcus is um, unfortunately a big backseat character in this movie. It really does focus on Emmett and Regan taking the leadership role, um, which is a very interesting take because there's not, she might be the first deaf actress to have like a leading role at this point. I don't know of anything else. If you guys know of any, just let us, let us know in the comments. Um, I'm pretty sure she's the only one that I've, that has taken such a leadership role, especially with her being, I believe only 15. Excuse me. Um, so this movie basically follows Regan, who, after figuring out that the weakness to these creatures is the frequencies coming from her hearing aid, um, she immediately wants to try saving everybody and, and getting the, the knowledge out there that she knows their weakness. Um, and then she she becomes intrigued with this song that's being played by the radio that Emmett has um, called Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darren. Highly recommend you play it. Y'all play it. I would not, I'd be shocked if you guys hadn't heard this song. It's a very, it's a, it's a classic song, but Regan thinks of this song, even though she can't hear it, they told her the name of it. And immediately what clicks into her mind that is that it's a message for people out there because no other radio stations worked. Um, and we know that in the first movie that Lee never really saw or never really heard a, a station that responded. So when she hear when she finds out that there's this one song playing on a station and then Emmett confirms that that's the only song that it's that's been playing on that station, she thinks, okay, so there must be this must be a message. This must be a sign that there are, there's a civilization out there where it can be safe. And how she figures out that it's only two days journey from where she is. I don't know. Um, (laughs) small little gripe of that movie for sure. Um, but she heads off on her own. Um, even though she can't still can't hear a hundred percent, um, doesn't really know how loud she is. And then, um, after a day, I would say overnight, the family finds out that she's gone, and and Evelyn's like, "Look, Evett, Emmett, 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 yeah, Emmett. Um, just because you don't trust anybody, you need to do this. You need to come save um, our only chance at getting this weakness out there and saving um, our my daughter and." Um, she was basically saying, you know, you couldn't do it for your kids, but now you can, you have the chance to save somebody. So he goes out and, and we cut to Regan's character. And this is where the movie gets kind of interesting for me. And actually this sequence with her is probably one of my favorites 
in the two movies because now we shift to her perspective and the whole sound editing of the film goes a lot more muted. Um, so you don't know kind of a whole lot going around her other than the visuals. So you can't really hear a whole lot that's going on. And you cut to this this train scene where she goes into the, the subway train. And she gets scared by birds. And then she ends up in a corner. And then all of a sudden you see the creature crawling up. But it's, it's mute. You can't really hear it. Which adds a whole new atmospheric horror to it. Which brings a whole nother level to the movie. But um, her, le- her coming out of her backseat role from the first one. I wouldn't even say she was in a backseat role in the first one. But um, having her branch out to this this leader even even with the challenges she has to overcome um provides a pretty good story um and kind of goes to show you just how much you can do with a character even though there's not a whole lot of lines in the movie and you even see when she does meet up with Emmett that sometimes she's She's not as weak as she might perceive to be. Um, they get to this marina scene where, surprisingly, Emmett tries to go help save a little girl, and then he gets captured, and um, a bunch of these people come out of the marina and, and surround them, and some could say maybe even try to kill them and maybe even eat them at this point because of the apocalyptic scenario. But what kind of struck me a little odd is why you would have a character in Emmett who was supposed to not trust anyone. And as soon as he sees a girl in, in need of help, he goes and tries to help her and gets captured right, right away. I think they kind of the one character they kind of botched in these two movies is is Emmett's character. Um, I think they could have had a a better character in Killian Murphy because um, Killian Murphy can play the hell out of some roles. So I'm surprised that they kind of botched his characterization, and I kind of wanted to see more from him, um, especially with the caliber that Killian Murphy brings to any role that he plays. But it's interesting in that scene where you can tell that we're at the point where humanity is at the brink of um, almost animalistic at this point. Um, Hunting people, stealing people, utter chaos, um, almost like the creatures that are hunting them throughout the movie. So there's that parallel too. And kind of wrapping up the second one a little bit. Um, we, we fast forward a little bit where they get to a radio. We, they end up getting to the Island, um, Emmett and Regan. They find this, this Island where everybody's kind of in peace. Um, we find out that the creatures can't swim. So the creatures can't get to the Island. So we think, um, one of the creatures ends up finding out, well, not finding out, but hitches a ride on one of the boats to the island, and there is there ends up being 
one creature that r- runs rampant on the island um, until Emmett and Regan um, re- lure it to a radio station and f- end up finishing it off. Um, one thing to note, though, with this island scene, um, and I was surprised they kind of wasted his character, too, but they bring in... Hold on, give me one second. I forgot his name. Stay tuned. Digimon Hansu. Um, he plays a character in the movie, and he's well-known. He's played in quite a few roles. He was in he was a minor role in Guardians of the Galaxy as um what was his name? A Korath. Um he was in the first one, but he he's more known for playing, let's see. He's in Shazam. Uh, he he he's in Aquaman as well. But I think his most Famous role was, I'm blanking on the name, blanking on the name, Blood Diamond. He was in Blood Diamond as Salman Vandy. Great actor, but he's on there for like two minutes. I was kind of confused by that with with uh, an actor of his caliber being cut short like that, but from the screen time he's given, he, he does a good job. Um, basically there to, to talk with Emmett about the deaf girl and, and, and well, obviously the deaf girl is, uh, Regan, but, um, catching him up to base with the, the history of the Island, how most of them came from the city to meet there. And they've been safe for a little while until obviously the, creature hitches a ride and then we lure them to the radio station where Regan goes into the the airtime booth and amplifies her hearing aid again against the creature that that was going to kill both her and Emmett and she steps in takes that leadership role and kills it with um, a pole that she finds next to the radio station. And at the same time, we mirror back with Evelyn and Marcus, who have been kind of at the steel mill the whole time, gathering oxygen tanks for the baby. Um, one of the creatures end up, ends up coming into the sub-basement in the furnace where they kind of have that safe spot. And Marcus steps up, uses the guitar amp, and I believe it's like, uh, they have like some sort of additional microphone that they use that's attached to the radio. He amplifies that, picks up a pistol, and and kills that creature there. And that's where the end movie ends. So now we have a cliffhanger where there's probably going to be a third movie. I think part two was okay. Um, I think it falters with Emmett's, Emmett's character, um, and Marcus's character and Evelyn's character. Um, I think they, all three of those people took backseat to Regan, which is fine, but, um, they, their character arcs definitely suffer a little bit. 
Uh, Regan does a very good job. Um, and Mil- Millicent uh, Simmons, um, she played the hell out of that role. Um, I just would have liked to have seen more from Killian Murphy's Emmett um, and with more backstory, which maybe we'll get in, in the third movie because there's definitely probably going to be a third. Um, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see because they establish now that they they established the creatures can't swim, so they didn't come from a world that's underwater. Um, so I'm thinking they probably came from a, a planet of all darkness where, um, I believe John Krasinski does confirm that in one of the behind the scenes kind of takes that they have. So I'd like to see a scene where they're kind of like in a completely pitch dark scene, like in a cave or something and, and to show what the creature kind of does. Um, I'd like to see Regan continue to have that leadership role in the family. Um, Marcus kind of having this, I don't want to say fatherly role, but he's more of the mother, not to bring gender roles into this, but he's more of the motherly role um, that's replacing kind of Evelyn. So um, I'd like to see him kind of branch out a little bit more and develop as a character. And then I want to see Emmett's character um, and his backstory of why he originally distrusted people and, and the situation that he came from. Um, I don't know how much more you can do with these aliens, though. Um, they were very good at, in the first two movies, but I feel like this is almost like the alien and Jaws scenario where once you've seen it and once you've seen how much damage they can do, there's not much more you can really do do with them unless you go the the route of like where aliens they brought in like the alien queen or something um i'd like to see maybe like a different kind of alien in a in a a third movie rather than just seeing the same ones over and over again um and then maybe bringing like the end of the alien invasion with the humans being able to to fight back now that they have the weakness But um, let me know what you guys think in the comments section. Um, Please like and subscribe, and hopefully we can have some more of these. Um, I love doing these. I love doing these deep dives. So um, let me know what you guys want to hear next. Um, This is Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at EasySpidey8 or follow us on The Adventure Geeks um, podcast as well as at The Adventure Geeks on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys for listening. Take care and remain quiet. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. And I know what I have to do now. Gotta keep breathing. Because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring?